distance Join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics With hepapasis and matchless Here's how we practice The lost art of conversation Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum This is John Elliott This is Patrick Riccardi And this is our first of many Well, eight uh, episodes That's many it, it is quite a lot on one subject. Uh, on REM, the complete discography of REM. Um, I mean, excluding like live albums and stuff. But uh, so this and lots of B sides. Yeah, we didn't we didn't really get into the B sides at all. Um, but so not complete, nearly complete. Pre- pretty much any all anybody really needs to hear us talk about. Oh, um, I mean, we could do nine or ten episodes, but fuck that. Um, so, so this episode is going to be Chronic Town versus Collapse Into Now. Uh, their first and their last. Yeah, and the first is only an EP. It's only five songs, Chronic Town. So um, we're not going to have a whole lot to talk about there, but we are also including their debut single, um, Radio Free Europe, the Hibtone single version, because that's the label that was put out on Hibtone. Oh, I was wondering what that was. Okay. Yeah, um, I think it was just, I don't know if they ever even did anything else. Um but anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about that. And um, well, we'll even though we're getting into it a bit on later episodes, we'll give you a brief background with our history with REM. Um, I got into them around 1984, the time of Reckoning, and uh, Pat got into them in a big way around uh, Out of Time, um, but had heard some of their IRS stuff before that. It just wasn't like a, a huge fan or anything, right? Right. Yeah. I- I'd listened to it and didn't really know what I was hearing, but listened to it enough to know that I liked it. And, uh, but I didn't get become a, like my own fan. It was more like I was listening to my brother's music. So I was also, that means I was also a fan of Howard Jones and I don't, I don't even know what, what he sounds like now. I just remember that being one of the other record albums I picked up when I broke into his house and ripped through his stuff at the time. But, uh, yeah, REM was something I listened to when I was younger, but when uh, Out of Time came out, that's when I, I bought that and listened to it over and over and over again and watched the videos and got really into REM for a while. Yeah, I, I had to, it had to be Cream Magazine probably for me, got me, that's where I first read about them, so I checked them out. Um, uh, and I was 14 when Harbor Coat, or Harbor Coat, Reckoning came out. Um, so that was, that was like, that fits that I would have been reading that magazine then. Um but to as we're starting well most of these early or the 80s episodes we're going to start with uh the billboard hot 100 singles of that year so for um just to prove that rem was actually an alternative band back then because um they obviously became worldwide huge mega stars but back then it, it was not they were not what you would have expected to have broken out um and especially, I feel like Chronic Town is not. It sounds great, but it doesn't sound commercial for that time at all. Um, so here were some of the top singles of 1982: "Physical" by Olivia Newton-John, "Eye of the Tiger," "Ebony and Ivory," uh, Jay Giles Band Centerfold, "Don't You Want Me" by the Human League, "Jack and Diane" by John Cougar. No, no, not, not, he was not Mellencamp yet. No, he hadn't. Uh, before he got married. Yeah, it was before he got married. So he was just John Cougar. Before that, I believe Johnny Cougar. Um, so that was 
before he got married for the first time. And then right. uh, his ex took the NY. Uh, Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band was a big hit that year. Hard to say I'm sorry by Chicago, I don't even know. Um, Jarrett's a fire theme. So you get an idea. Uh, and when we play some of these songs from Chronic Town, they will not sound radio-ready compared to this stuff at all. Um, but first, we're going to start with R.E.M.'s very first release, which was the Radio Free Europe single on, as we said, Hibtone Records. Now, it's funny that this is their first release. It's obviously, for me, this was not the first I heard of it. But when I heard of Radio Free, Radio Free Europe, it was well before I heard Out of Time. But I was it was at a time when I was still looking for music that I would like. Because when I was around, I don't know, between 10 and 14, I didn't like music. But I didn't, I and I didn't realize at the time I, it was because there, every, every, everything everyone else listened to was stuff I didn't care for. But I thought it was just I didn't like music. I remember specifically one time there was a George Michael or Wham song that had something to do with a monkey, and people asked me what that meant, and I had no idea what they were talking about. It was like they were quizzing me at school, and there's everyone listened to 98, and I listened to talk radio because I didn't like the top 40 stuff, and I couldn't understand what everyone else did. But I, I heard, I guess off my brother's music, I heard. Radio Radio Free Europe, and I I loved it, and I was like, this is the kind of music I want to listen to all the time. Oh, that's cool. That's so. That's like a good early association. Yeah, yeah, and, but it was not. It was not the the version from the, the their first single. It was the it was the, the murmur, murmur version. Yeah, version, which is pretty similar, but definitely different. Yeah, this one's superior in my opinion. It's a uh, faster by a little bit. It's a little bit kind of got a rougher sound to it mm-hmm. um, although produced by the same guy but but definitely this one was done more on the cheap um, but just a more aggressive sound and and kind of kind of the, a perfect first single for REM because it kind of distills what they were about at that for most of the 80s I feel like mm-hmm. um, and and a good just a good rock song from them Uh once again, indecipherable lyrics. I, you don't get you don't get any sense of what any of these songs are about um, on Chronic Town or here. Uh, when you can even make out the lyrics, they're not any kind. They don't make any kind of literal sense or anything. And, and there's the mumble, the mumbling. Yeah, the the mumbled style vocals was definitely his trademark, and I mean. Basically, I don't know too many other people who've ever even attempted it. Yeah, nobody else could pull it off as well as he can. No. But uh, this song also has, a, I, I don't know if you said, like a, a light feel to it. It kind of, some of their early stuff's kind of dark in, in, their, in the sound, but this one's not as dark. It's kind of like it, it goes up as he's singing. Yeah, it's, yeah, ascending. Uh, yeah, ascending. Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, punchy and, and, uh, more, I mean, it's, uh, you, you'd never mistake it for a party anthem, but uh, no. but it's no definitely more fun than uh, most of the stuff on uh, Chronic Town, and um, I guess we should just go into Radio Free Europe and before we go on to the Chronic Town stuff. So uh, here you go, you get a taste of what we're talking about. Here is the original version of Radio Free Europe. Sign 
so that's that. And um, and now we'll go into Chronic Town proper, which was released in 82. Uh, five songs. We'll talk about a couple of them. Um, my, my two favorites, but you had you had a song you wanted to talk about, I think, too, right? Just, yeah, just talk a little, little bit about uh, Gardening at Night, which is a fun song. I don't think we'll play that, but... No, we are playing that one. Oh, we are? That was one yeah. of the ones on the list? Yeah. The, the thing that struck me about it when I was listening to it is it reminded me of... Uh, uh, what, what's the name of the song from Murmur? It reminded me a lot of... Um, what is it? Uh, Sitting Still. Oh, yeah. I, I can see it a little, yeah. The, the guitar. Not, not the words of the... Well... The, the lyrics, not, yeah, well, what you can make out again. Yeah, yeah. but the, the way the guitar kind of has that thing that goes throughout the song, that in between, you'll hear a little doo-doo. It sounds similar to Sitting Still. Yeah, which has the little guitar piece between the verses like we, we will talk about on, on that episode. Right. Yeah, no, I get that. And Gardening at Night, allegedly about uh, urinating on the side of the road. Oh. Yeah. So, although... <laughs> you would never get that in a million years from, from reading the lyrics online or whatever. Um, or if you could possibly make them out, um, they, they don't make a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, well, that is one that we will talk about. Um, I like the whole album or, or EP, Mm -hmm. I guess it's definitely got a a weird mood. It's got, um, this, a perfect cover for it. I feel like just a stone gargoyle. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Tinted blue. But I think, I mean, of course, this is uh, this is looking back where we've heard everything. It feels really, it feels like something that has a lot of potential that hasn't been met yet. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could kind of see that too. Although, but of course, I don't know if you, if you, when you listen to it without knowing about everything else, if you, if you think that, or if you just hear that it's really good. But I mean, I, I reckoning and murmur are a lot better than this. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, with we're that. not supposed to talk about their other works. It's supposed to be just. Chronic Town, yeah. Collapse into now, and I, I apologize. As well, you should, Pat. As well, you should. Um, but yeah, no, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but I think that it was smart of them to put it out, put out an EP anyway, because mm-hmm. uh, obviously they're still finding their way of doing things. And reading about it said they did some kind of weird uh, studio stuff um, with Mitch Easter, like they would. Uh, have Michael Stipe sing outdoors, record him, <laughs> and uh, it says he incorporated tape loops and other weird stuff that they didn't know. Uh, and you know they they were learning their way around the studio too and how to how to record. So um, I think it definitely works as that. It's kind of like a more of a calling card. So uh, Mitch East, Mitch Easter was the producer for all their early stuff, most of the, just or just this one. Yeah, this I. Man, I can't remember if he produced Reckoning. Definitely after that, he did not. Um, but what I, is he up to now? I don't know. I mean, he's always been involved in music, and you know, he played in in a band and and has produced a lot. But uh, I I assume he's like somewhere behind the scenes in in music. Yeah, Reckoning was produced by Don Dixon and Mitch Easter as well. So um, so it it was this through Reckoning or okay. Radio Free Europe through Reckoning he did. Um, but the first song on Chronic Town uh, is called Wolves Lower, Wolves, comma, Lower. So definitely that's not the kind of thing radio programmers are going to look at and, and think, oh, this is a song a lot of people are going to request <laughs> um, just from the title. And then 
and then the lyrics don't make any sense at all once again um i don't know house in order down there they're rounding a posse to ride i think is one of the lyrics i don't know it's all just you know imagistic stuff but i think the music is very i think it's the strongest song on the ep musically like it's the most it's most has the most in common with later rem stuff okay i i I think gardening at night does too but yeah it kind of does you're right you mentioned the sitting still thing and gardening at night is the one that you know is considered the the hit off the album even though there weren't any um but yeah if you're going to choose one you'll choose that one i'll choose wolves lower it's got the you know mike mills background vocals going Mm -hmm. which we will talk about a lot um you know already in place that their whole singing dynamic and and the mumbled shit and the uh, arpeggiated guitar chords that uh, that Peter Buck plays and and good drums too from Bill Berry. Um, so, so uh, speaking of this is this is them at the beginning and not not about the song specifically, but just since we're talking about we're going through REM from the start to the end. How do they meet? I mean, Peter Buck worked at a record store. And Michael Stipe went there all the time, and that's how they met. How about the other two? Uh, I think that uh, Mike Mills and Bill Berry were friends before REM, and I think they, I don't know if they met at the college there or or in high school. I don't know. Um, but I think from the sound of it, they kind of hated each other at first. Oh, really? Um, but then they kind of bonded over their love of music. Not quite sure how, uh, how they hooked up with uh, Stipe and... Buck, but I, I assume in a you know a college town like that, people who are into the same types of music are going to find each other. Right, and they and they, uh, they practice in like some abandoned church or something, and maybe some of them live there. I don't know. Plus, when they're they're when before they knew each other, you probably said, "Well, what do you do? I'm in a band called REM. Oh, me too." So then, that's yeah, that's true. Does. So they're like, "Oh, well, I get yeah. I guess we should get to know each other a little better. Right. We're all in the same band." Um, their original name was oh man i can't even remember oh, i thought that was it i thought they looked it up in the dictionary and that's how they came up with rem yeah they, there, they there was did. something before that I, well i think they had considered calling themselves like uh kite piss or something i don't even remember it was something <laughs> really dumb that would never oh cans of piss and twisted kites were <laughs> a couple of the early ones um, I, i'm glad they didn't go with cans of piss yeah and negro wives strangely which would wow. not have i mean i guess that was them trying to be punk mm-hmm. yeah well yeah two of those sounds especially punk the the kite one's just there i mean that would have been fine yeah it's funny. can you imagine them not being rem it's 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 so funny how things get associated so tightly with their name the, ma- the name is meaningless the name means nothing especially with this band it's just a just a stupid thing they came up with that has nothing to do with their sound or anything they're doing but it's it's now it's you can't think of any other name making any sense no i mean especially cans of piss oh yeah th- those are really bad but twisted kites there shouldn't be anything wrong with thinking that as their name but it doesn't make any sense no and you also like i, I think maybe like by the time you get into your 40s and your band's called twisted kites maybe you're you're feeling like it was a bad idea. Why? What's wrong with that name? It's just it's just there. It sounds maybe a little too cutesy. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not far enough into my 40s yet. Okay. <laughs> I'll get there. It does. I'll work at it. it yeah, well, my, my birth name was Twisted Kites, as you know. I know. I didn't want to call you out. 
yeah, because then we're going to have more of this shit with people requesting my Kenyan birth certificate. Um, but I'm used to it. It's whatever. Um, yeah, Twisted Titan. Do you Titan- still have on your wall the, like the, I guess it's in, what's it, in marble or, I don't know what it's in, but the, your umbilical cord? You still it's have that as like. It's bronzed. Oh, bronzed. Yeah. Yeah, with, uh, along with the uh, hand of the doctor who, uh, who cut it. It was, that was, uh, that was the way of the times. That's how you, did. you, you chopped off the doctor's hand who cut the umbilical cord and oh. kept the whole thing as a, as a bronze. Or, you know, if you couldn't afford bronze, uh, you could do it in like some kind of copper plated nickel or something. If you were a cheap ass. I thought this was some kind of, uh, you were, you were a, venge, a vengeful toddler and you went after the doctor and got the hand to add to your collection. I mean, I probably tried to, but I think I couldn't even hold my head up well enough to see where he was. Um, yeah, Twisted Kites is, is uh, it's not a bad name. Like, it's it would fit their music as well, I feel like. Right, but it, it it's not R.E.M. It's, yeah. It's... I know it's weird how you something just sticks with you, even though, like you said, they just randomly chose it from a dictionary. Um, yeah, but Wolves, Wolves Lower... I don't know. It's very, it's very cryptic sounding, and uh, as as most of the EP is. Yes, I think cryptic is a perfect perfect word for this this collection of songs. Yeah, and you don't you can't really figure out like where this where this all came from. Like it sounds kind of in some kind of tradition, but also very different from like like the birds who they were often you know compared to. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not as as straight ahead as as the birds, and and more like dark weirdness. Yeah, it's to they, this. Uh, they when you we talk about it in the future about some of their songs having a kind of a country feel to it. So that's in there too, but it's not. No, none of their songs would ever get played on the country station. No, no, and spe- I mean, not, not not just because that's it wouldn't be classified. Even if you change the name to Honky Tonk Brothers, it wouldn't get. It just isn't country. It just has some elements of it in there. Right, which which you're gonna get from uh, from Southerners. I would ima- imagine that's just part of like what what you hear on the radio growing up right. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is much darker and and just too weird for 1982 to get played on any kind of radio, much less country. But uh. Let's have a little listen to Wolves Lower.
Alright, and then, so the final one is uh, Gardening at Night, which is, uh, yeah, I, maybe the most, uh, the most classic REM sounding one. I, the other one is, reminds me a lot of some stuff on Murmur and Reckoning Wolves Lower. Um, this is more kind of open, a more open song and more, I don't know, mellow is not the right word, but you know. Um, nicer, yeah. easier to, easier to wrap your head around, I guess. Yeah. Less cryptic. Yeah. More open. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Even though it, it also makes no sense. Um, I think, why don't I recite lyrics? That's always fun. Uh, I, what is, I, I see your money on the floor. I felt the pocket change through all, oh, though all the feelings that broke through that door just didn't seem to be too real. So that's the kind of things he's he's given you, uh, which means you, you're basically just making up your own meaning for it, which is nice. No, here's a, a non lyrical fact. The publishing company, REM's publishing company is named night gardening music. So this song was, uh, inspirational to them and they, they have put it on their, like all their, their best ofs. It always shows up. Wolves lower usually does not, um, nor do any of the other songs on this EP. Um, Although I, I kind of like it all, like Carnival of Sorts and uh, One Million are also really good. Stumble's just kind of weird, maybe overly long. Um, but but it's a strong it's a strong EP, and I think this is the one like most most normal people would would uh, gravitate toward gardening at night, especially I, knowing that it's uh, about urination. They apparently had an early fascination with with uh, pissing. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Just thanks for calling me a normie. A heteronormative. That's what we aspire towards. So, oh, against. I forget. I can't keep track. Let's just play. Uh, let's just play them this this song. Uh, Gardening at night. Here you go. that one um kind of going to be a little short segment on this one just because there's hardly anything to talk about um 
five songs and we chose one extra from their from early their single. singles. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was another single. It was not. It was different. Oh no, the other single was sitting still. Okay. Yeah, that was the B side of of uh, the Radio Free Europe original, uh, um, which yeah. is also redone on Murmur. Um, and both versions are really pretty similar um, in the single version and the and the album version. Um, but we'll talk about the sitting still on the Murmur episode. Um, yeah, I don't know. Or will we? I guess you'll find out until next say? week. Yeah, you're going to have to tune in. Maybe maybe we'll talk about Sonny Bono again. They did cover early on uh, I Got You, Babe. I did not know. That, or, you know I, I don't think I've ever hear, heard any of their covers, but they have a lot of covers. Yep. they Especially as B-sides, they did a, a bunch of Velvet Underground covers. and I saw that. that, that that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think, to be fair, fair um even though i pretend to be uh super hip about music i i think i didn't even know who the velvet underground was when i first heard uh their version of there she goes again um so i think rem was my first exposure to the velvet underground they might have been my first exposure too because i know i had the letter office at one point and i listened to the whole thing so so I yeah they're th- all three on here. there yeah. yeah yeah same here um until i heard them talked up later i'd yeah um I think somebody put a Velvet Underground song on a mixtape for me once, a friend of mine. That might have been the first time I'd actually heard them. Um, and he was, of course, like such a hipster. He put like a live version of a song on there. Um, but yeah. It's, it's kind of getting off topic. We're supposed to be talking about Chronic Town and Collapse Into Now. I don't think you should be talking about other stuff. Right. I, I, I know. I, I have a feeling I'm probably going to keep doing that in later podcasts, too. But uh, I, I mean, wish I, you wouldn't. I I wish I wouldn't either. I just know me. I know me. Um, Did you ever see the segment of uh, Ryan from The Office, whose name doesn't matter, on uh, Old Conan, where he brings out the, the two Cadbury eggs and proves, without a doubt, that they're different sizes? No. It was really funny, and it, it was it, it felt I felt vindicated because for years I'd been eating Cadbury eggs, and I, and I say to myself and others, whoever would listen, usually no one, that Cadbury eggs were smaller now. They're just they're just smaller. They feel smaller in the mouth. They feel smaller in my hand. And people would say, "Well, you're bigger, idiot." Of course, everything feels smaller. It's like it's not that. And then he was on. He had saved a Cadbury egg from a previous Easter, and because he why not? Well, yeah, of course. Well, I don't know how, how he had the willpower, but he saved it and brought it onto the show to show that these are two different sizes. That's uh, that's quite the piece of investigative journalism, I have to say. Surprised it wasn't on 60 Minutes. You are a Cadbury egg lover. Yes. Um, I always kind of had a little bit of problem with them. I, is I, it? Was it the look and is the look and feel of them that they? Yeah, of, it's just like a kind of sugary goo in the middle. It's a bit much for me. I think, I, I think I just found them a slightly overpowering. The the Cadbury eggs, but uh, I did like the hollow chocolate bunnies, which really? is another early REM name. Uh, yeah, probably that was the one that they were leaning towards. But I think there was a a band that already had that name in Athens. So they couldn't take it. Yeah, and that that band went on to become, as we all know, Dave Matthews Band. R.I.P. 
Well, I, the thing is, I, I knew that story for a long time, and I always thought they meant Athens, Georgia, which is where R.E.M.'s from, but Dave Matthews is from Athens, Greece. Yeah, you can tell, because he's very hirsute and uh, smelly. It's ironic that the, 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 the word that means very hairy sounds like hirsute. Shouldn't it be his suit? I agree. It, it should be his, his suit of hair. Um, but maybe it's her suit because, you know, she can, when she gets cold, she can wrap wrap his chest hair around her and eyebrow hair. Um, Sounds heteronormative. It, it does. I know where, I, I just can't remember if we're trying to get away from it or move more towards it. Um, so I've taken the middle ground. The, yeah, the, the Cadbury eggs, man. Um, I don't, what, what was your deal with them? Was it like always your favorite Easter? Oh candy? yeah. Well, I think it's, it's the, on the one hand, they're my favorite or one of my favorite candies at Easter. But on the other hand, the other candies that might be close to my favorite are available the whole year round. Cadbury eggs once a year. That's all you have. That's true. They're, they're kind of special. Uh, yeah. like the, like the shamrock shakes. Right. Exactly. Same thing. I mean, both in reality kind of shitty, but they, they are elevated more just by the fact that they're, uh, Cadbury eggs are a delicious treat. So time sensitive. Uh, well, Time sensitive is not the right term. Um, <laughs> they expire quickly. I remember, which is bizarre because all they are is goddamn preservatives. Um, but I remember like in my Easter basket, you know, you'd get, I mean, I would be happy to get a Cadbury egg like in my Easter basket on Easter morning along with the hollow chocolate bunny. But like when there would be like little jelly beans sprinkled in there, I would just, I, I was not having it, man. Like, what is this bullshit? Jelly beans. That's nothing to do with the resurrection of Christ. I know that much. But chocolate does have a lot to do with it. Well, it symbolizes his, the cave. The cave that he, he was in and um, probably also that he defecated himself when he died. And, and was probably still a little bit hanging on when he, was, when he uh, arose from the grave. So say we all. That's my take on it anyway. Um, yeah, so... What's your least favorite candy, dude? I, that's a tough one. Uh, well, big, that's easy for me. It's big just, Hunk was pretty shitty. I, oh, I, I just say anything with nuts in it is my least favorite candy. Or do you want that's me like to actually That's like 99% of all candy. It's crap. As I've said many times, it's like finding a stick in there. Who wants to have a stick in their, in their treat? So you, you equate nuts with sticks because um, they both grow out of the ground. Basically. From yes. the dirt... From the dirt they come, uh, just like us, uh, Adam, as we know, molded out of clay. Um, That's Gumby. Oh, you're right. I confuse them all the time. Uh, they have similar head shapes. But oh, you should see what he can do today. Gumby or Adam? Both. They're both out of clay. The uh, Really? Is that true that you don't like nuts in, in candy? Yeah, I can't stand them. So no Snickers for you. None. All right. Well, I used to eat, uh, well, nobody would eat them, but I used to t- take the peanut butter M&Ms and just eat the chocolate parts and put give people a little bowl of uh, peanuts. That's fucking disgusting, dude. Um, I hope, I mean, I, I hope like you con some people into eating them, actually. I never, I never wow. did. But I went to a party one time and I was eating Oreos and I ate the, the cream, the white cream, and I gave the chocolate to someone and she ate them. And that was a, a wonderful party. It sounds like it. Because I hate that chocolate. It's terrible chocolate, but the cream on the inside is delicious. If it, I could buy a jar of that, I would get it to 
mixed with uh, cookie butter. You know what? It really is kind of terrible chocolate. I mean, it, even calling it chocolate flavored is a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Like, have you have you ever had it like a, a pie made with Oreo uh, cookie crust? No. Oh, it's god awful, dude. I mean, some people love it, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Oreos. I I think you're a bit of an outlier on the candy with nuts thing, though. Um. But like, do you remember like I don't just like the kind of off-brand candy. I don't even know if it was off-brand because it was in like the convenience stores and stuff. But like Big Hunk, I said comes to mind like the Zanza bar. That sounds familiar. Uh, there was one candy bar that was all peanuts with like a caramel coating on it. Do you remember that one? All peanuts. Oh, that's still around, I think. Uh, payday, right? Oh, is it Payday? Yeah, that was I a weird so. one. Just like a, it's a bunch of nuts glued together with sugar. Yeah, that's, that's entirely more weird than a Cadbury egg. Um, yeah, well, like the the Zanzibar and Big Hunk, I don't even like. They look like they were made by like Polish immigrants in the 1900s. <laughs> early 1900s and just had been sitting on shelves that whole time. Um, you know, there's candy that looks like that still. It, it looks like it's from the 1900s and has the same weird generic wrapper. Yeah, they think it's a selling point, I guess, for some reason. <laughs> I guess. Not with these kids today with their uh, iPods and, and uh, flying cars and shit. They're not, they're not down with that kind of nostalgia. I haven't checked in for a while, but... When we were, or like, yeah, I guess the same with you. When I was a kid. One of the like fun things to do, or I put fun in quotes. I don't, I don't have my camera turned on, so the viewers can't see that I did air quotes. But if we had viewers instead of listeners, that's what they would have seen. Anyway, the fun thing to do was to eat candy that was really hot. Like there's Atomic Red Hots, and there's all sorts of candies that was, it was not so much about the taste, but more about look how hot I can eat things. Oh yeah, like hot tamales, which weren't really that hot. But then yeah, you got the Crazier and crazier fucking uh, habanero candy and shit. I never cared for that stuff, but I I saw what... I could eat it and not hate it. But a couple years ago, I saw the kids weren't doing that so much, but they were eating stuff that was so super sour. And they were... That was the... Instead of hot, sour was the new gross-out game. Well, I'm... I mean, I'm happy to hear that you're keeping up on your sociological studies of what kind of candy children are eating. Well, I have to do something when I'm waiting in the in the, the playground. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, if you're just joining us, we are, of course, talking about REM. I, I, How are they just joining us? Did they, uh, yeah, I guess I, they could be. I could have Never made mind. a mistake with the editing of this episode and just <laughs> cut in right there. That's probable. Because I've, I've listened to a couple podcasts that purport to be us. And the title is Our Names, and it says what I remember talking about the day before. And I listened to it, and it's just ocean sounds. Well, sometimes I do that just as um, as a benefit to the listener. I know I know a lot of them are stressed out during their workday. Um, and some of them want to take a nap, like right, right around 3 o'clock. You know, that's when it starts, it really starts hitting you. So, um, so just for a treat. For those listeners who I know, all our listeners listen at precisely three o'clock. Um, I, I will do the ocean sounds, and it's not actually the ocean. If I'm going to be completely honest, it's just me going. <laughs> There's crows at my ocean. I don't know how it is out out on the east coast. Oh, oh. oh sorry, I didn't see it. 
Even just yeah. that little bit worked. It's instant. It's it's like a drug. Of course, REM is our topic. And I think we're doing a fine job of uh, elaborating on what made them uh, such a hugely popular band. Uh, do you want to take a break and uh, talk about, or do you want to keep talking about Chronic Town? Um, no, I, Chronic Town's dead to me at this point. Um, let's let's take a break and we'll come back with Collapse Into Now. We'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shanmiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing. We're back and talking about REM's final album, Collapse Into Now. Um, Let's enunciate. Collapse Into Now. 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 It's it's not anything anybody's going to call one of the best albums ever, but I think it's a respectable album for them to go out on. Yes, I I agree. It's it's fun. It's REM, and it's it's a good one to go out. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of them touching on all their previous eras, like in one album. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of it's a bit all over the place, but also you're right. It is it is fun, and and it's uh, I mean, just thank God they didn't go out after Around the Sun. Oh my God, that would that would have been depressing. Yeah. Like now they talk about, uh, are you ever going to do a reunion tour? And I don't mind if they never do. I don't mind if they never get together to do anything again. I would, I would think I would like it if they did. But the fa- the fact I don't mind because their last thing was so good. Yeah. But if their uh, last thing was around the sun, I'd be like, no, get together and, and fix this. Fix shit. this. No yeah. Good. Yeah, it would be an opposite Pixies thing. Um, but oh, yeah. I, I forgot to mention. I think I was reading about uh, Murmur. No, I'm sorry, not Murmur. When I was reading about um, uh, Accelerate. I think it was Accelerate. Yeah, uh, there was some quote where Peter Buck was was saying Michael Stipe said if if we could, if we put out another album like around even Michael was saying if we put another album like Around the Sun out, we're we're pretty much done. And his response was like, Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it was it at least they recognized that uh, it was not it was did not should not bear the REM name. I th- I from when I was reading, it seemed like. Peter Bach and Mike Mills recognized it, but Michael Stipe refused. He, he might have recognized it by saying, "If we do something like that," but it, it, I think he's just so he likes what he does so much that he he has a blind spot for his own things that he puts out that he just thinks they're great. Which is, I have no problem with that because Michael Stipe is awesome; he can do no wrong. Yeah, no, I agree, uh, and I I can see that, and it's better than thinking everything you do is shit. Right. Um. But yeah, that that was that was a bad one. It's true, and you can tell Michael Stipe does really enjoy what he does too, um, which was maybe not always the case early on. Like with the mumble thing and all that, it seemed like uh, he was trying, he was being kind of arty 
to hide himself more. Right. There's maybe his lack of confidence in his voice. Yeah. And where... I, I, something I like... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, where I was just going to say, later on, you can tell he was really into it. And yeah. it like, he, he got the whole package and, and, like, he knew what it was to be a rock star and how how dumb a lot of it was and everything, but he still, like, could enjoy it for what it was. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he'd, he'd belt things out when he needed to. He didn't always mumble. Yeah. But I I was thinking um, something. I really like the fact that Michael Stipe is so earnest. He when Because when you look at a lot of the people that were big in the 90s, it was a lot of ironic stuff, a lot of people who weren't, who weren't really going to come out and support things. But Michael Stipe did. It was it was always in these political things, supporting people, and I don't know. I just I always like I like that about him. Yeah, I agree. And he also managed to do it in a much less pretentious way than Bono. <laughs> I knew Bono would come up. Yes, it's he's not. I don't know. They're very similar, though. In in some ways, um, I think I think Michael Stipe is actually um, cool in a way that Bono tries to pretend to be cool in. Um, but I think Bono's just a little bit too serious about everything. Yeah, um, that's true. Where he, when he tries to like come off as like a jokester or be playful or whatever, it doesn't really ring true. Whereas you have the sense that Michael Stipe really does have that part of his personality. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, this is a, it's a good album. It's a good solid album. There's, uh, they can definitely be, be proud uh, that, this was their last album and uh, it didn't, it did not suck. No, I, I don't think, yeah, it was good in all ways that you can think of. Yeah. You, what was it? 30 years on, um, from the first single radio free Europe, uh, this came out and, uh, somebody like the Rolling Stones 30 years on was not anywhere near this level. They were more around that, around the sun level Rolling Stones after 30 years. I don't have any appreciation for the Rolling Stones because I only know the 80s version of the 80s and Owen version, and I don't like that. So maybe if I went back and listened to the 60s stuff, I would appreciate it. But I, it's hard to because it got so overplayed over the years. Yeah. So I don't have any. I just think they're shit. I, I mean, that's too that's too harsh. But I don't care for them. I as I probably should. I like them um, much less than most music geeks. Um, I like them up to around. 66 67 whereas most people would put them at least through the mid 70s um all everything they did was great but after a while they started getting into like being uh very debauched you know like that was their image Mm -hmm. and uh, and kind of the music to fit that and i i just it didn't appeal to me i like the i don't know i like the straight ahead songs and the like not the white Eric Clapton kind of blues, uh, yeah. like lazy blues crap that they did later. Um, I was reading Eric Clapton was kind of a jerk politically. Yeah, he supported what Oswald Mosley? Who's that? Is that who it was? And you know, I forget some, the name. Some like neo-fascist. Yeah, the racist. pro-British. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Elvis Costello supported something similar, but he he walked back on it. He he noted he noted that he he was wrong. Eric Clapton never really did. Wait, did Costello actually support? Because Costello, I know, did like... He did something. I don't know if it was the same guy, but something similar. Because he wrote a song, Less Than Zero, about Oswald Mosley. About what, what a shitbag he was, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I forget exactly what he did, but it was something it was something I was shocked by. 
Oh, oh he did the. So Elvis Costello had the uh, the conversation in like a Holiday Inn bar with um, Stephen Stills and Bonnie Bramlett, who were like these two old classic rock turds um, <laughs> who made really shitty music. Well, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash. That's Stephen Stills um, from that, um, who was just like kind of you know a bloated, easy listening dude by then. Him and Bonnie Bramlett and uh, and. Elvis Costello was trying to piss them off and he called Ray Charles like a blind ignorant N-word. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a, in a fit of drunken, like, fuck you-ness to them. That, uh, yeah, it was it was a extremely stupid thing to say. I don't think it reflected anything about how he actually felt, though. Okay. Well, that's good to hear that there's more to the story than I had read. Because it was just like a list of things that people that you probably like a lot did that were... And I didn't like Eric Clapton a lot, so it wasn't a real shock to me, but it was still kind of like, whoa, what a douchebag. But now it sounds like Elvis Costello's one was more, he was being ironic. Yeah, well, being, I mean. You know, just taking he, the piss out of those people. Yeah, he was trying, I mean, that was his punk way of, I guess, you know, um, mm-hmm. offending them and the, the old guard that he was rebelling against. But it was, yeah, definitely a bad, it was not a smart thing to do. Um, and he apologized profusely forever for it, but. Um, he felt at the time he, he was like, that's all I'm going to be known for. And it's, it was a bummer. Have you seen him live? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's quite good. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's one of those ones that where like for a while, everything he did was brilliant. And then, you know, he's, he's stuck around too long, I think. And, and gotten maybe a little too much into esoteric music that people aren't that didn't listen that's not what you're listening to elvis costello for to hear him do uh i don't know tony bennett type songs or whatever yeah. you know well the or didn't he have that, that thing with burt Bacharach. burt Bacharach, right yeah which who which actually um good. was pretty good yeah but but still you know it's it's i mean in a way you admire that that he's trying to do new things but in in another way it's it, he does kind of some boring shit with it so but yeah would, he's he's definitely I, worth I, seeing live I'd have to say, though, I think Elvis Costello is one of those guys that can do whatever the hell he wants. Yep, I think so, too. I think he's, I mean... And I won't lose any respect for him, now, that, especially now that I know that he wasn't a racist in his past. No. Oh. Well, hey, what do you know? A phone call coming in. Oh, oh look who it is. That's Elvis Costello. Oh, he heard us. He's often calling the house just, you know, just to, just to shoot the, the bull, as they say in England. Yeah, shoot the bull by the horns. Right between the eyes of the white. And that and that means um, just talking for mm-hmm. for American listeners. Th- yeah. And for British listeners, talking to Americans means uh, phone sex. Uh, indeed, I thought uh, I I figured maybe he saw the Elvis Costello signal, like the bat signal. You know, every any time anybody mentions his name, the Elvis Costello signal goes up um, from the roof of the White House. And uh, and he's alerted, but I didn't know you had a personal relationship with him. Well, I don't like to brag, but I do. Okay. And I'm awesome because of it. I I would have, tend to agree with you. Um, if you're just so joining back, us, we are talking about REM. Just oh right. Oh what? REM. We will Elvis Costello will be upcoming topic. So I know but you don't like me to go into. It. Yes. The upcoming let's, topics. I, let's stay on collapse, collapse, collapse now too. 
Clefman. Chronic Town. Let's not talk about Elvis Costello or Stephen Colbert or other albums that R.E.M. might have done in their past or future. Let's just stick with Collapse Into Now. Can we talk about Spellbound? Spellbound. Okay. I, I guess that's off. Yeah, I, it's it's a real problem I have. Um, I, I'm really trying to control it, but it's like a, a nagging itch in my brain where I just kind I have to blurt out whatever's in my stupid head and it just kind of trips off my dumb tongue uh, right into the ugly air. So I apologize for that. Speaking of, of itches that I, I stopped scratching a long time ago and decided to start scratching again, I, I've started going back to comic book stores and buying stuff, which has been pretty fun. Oh, that's nice. I mean, it's nice. Look, I'll, I'll say this. We are, uh, we are living more comfortably than we have in the past. It's nice to have the disposable income to be able to spend on shit like that. Yeah. yeah it is. Exactly. I mean, it's just nice. And, and, you know, you you don't want to lose track that there are a lot of people suffering, a lot of people living below the poverty line. But uh, but it is nice to be able to, to do nice things for yourself now and again. <laughs> Why are you bringing me down? What's, I thought... I thought that was the whole the whole point of this podcast. I, maybe you haven't listened to the past fifty nine episodes or whatever it was. As uh, I said, I've been going back to stores. I used to go once a month and pick up Saga. That was the only book I was getting, and I decided to just start going and seeing if there's other stuff I'd enjoy. So, look, I um, mean, if you don't have a problem exploiting uh, the comic book store workers who are not getting paid nearly what they should, I it's fine. That's what I'm saying. It's okay to treat yourself. I, I guess now I'm going to give them a tip. I didn't realize they got paid so poorly. I thought maybe they got paid in comic books. Well, but did, I, did I tell you about the time I went to the comic book store? I and... think you told me on the air. Yes. Yeah, you did. did. <laughs> um, so we've officially run out of things to talk about. All right. Goodbye, I, everybody. It was I, fun I, doing this podcast. I just enjoyed my time there, but now I guess I can't enjoy it since I'm oppressing people. And um, I'm a terrible person. Well, we're all complicit in some way. Um, I'm, I'm saying you, you need to learn to turn a blind eye to it. That's called and, and being this a capitalist. And underpaid guy even gave me good suggestions of books to get. I said, I like sagas. Are, is there books you can recommend? I was, was like, yeah, a Little Lulu. Woody Woodpecker. And the reason I had to get another book is because I couldn't buy I didn't have any cash. I wanted to spend with a credit card. And he said, oh, it has to be at least $5. And I said, oh, you're going to force me to buy another book? Oh, and so maybe that. he's not that exploited. And I did that bend my arm. Oh, that's always funny. I, I, I love it when people do that. And then he actually did bend my arm. That oh, was, that's... That was the kick, actually. I jumped ahead in the story. He bent my arm and kicked me out of the store because I was licking books. That There is a book that... Well, that's how you tell the quality of a comic. Just the cover had a picture of a candy bar going back to candy bars, and I just wanted to see if, if the book actually tasted like candy, and I licked it, and he said, no, 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 and I licked it again, and he bent my arm and threw me out of the store into the street, the cold street. Well, I, I'm, starting to feel, I'm starting to feel like you're more and more justified in, in, uh, in going to comic book stores now. I mean, this guy doesn't sound like he's necessarily that oppressed. He, he's uh, making, you, making you buy more, con- like he's got some policy, like there's some universal thing that you can't use a credit card for anything under five dollars. Not, not thanks, Obama, but I, I don't think so. Thanks, Reagan. Not in my America. Uh, so no, I, I think you're justified. 
this is one of those times I really wish we were doing. Some people don't realize we don't do this show in the same studio. We do it in separate studios. But I wish this episode we were doing in the same studio so I could give you a fist bump. Oh, me too. I mean, the psychic fist bumps we do uh, constantly throughout the podcast are nice. But every once in a while, that physical touch is, is, it just adds a little something. Collapse into Now, R.E.M.'s final studio album. The 15th and final. Um, so, yeah, let's it, like we said, it's a bit all over the place musically, kind of touching on the different uh, different points in their career, um, which I think is is a cool cool way to go out, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and instead of side A and side B, apparently they have x-axis and y-axis it's funny that i i noticed at the exact same time that you're mentioning it it's so weird so they're they're um it's another you know it's the last thing michael stipe did for the country he's trying to get the youth of america uh interested in mathematics bully bully for you michael i think that's what you're saying unless you're calling him a bully i bet that's something he was called often during his youth bully and he had to he had to fight that that moniker. Here comes Bully Mike. Everybody hide your Cadbury eggs. Um, well, the first song that we're talking about, uh, you chose is called Uberlin, uh, as in like Uber, the you know the German word or the car service, Uberlin. You know, it's, I don't want to go off topic again, but Uber is one of those companies I do not do not care for. Yeah, I've never used them. I don't. I don't know much about them. So, um, not so. Well, may, I I've never used them, and maybe I would enjoy using it. Maybe it's a service I would enjoy if I have needed a taxi service. Just the way they go into into cities and decide that we're going to do it this way, even if it's against the law, and we're going to wait for the law to change. And it's it's just shitty. Oh yeah, well, and the the drivers are not certified, so someone can get attacked. It's all that crap that I don't like. Oh, I didn't know that. I I assume they had to go through some kind of process although i don't know why the hell i assume that it's i mean it's like airbnb whatever that process is that's not yeah we're not even going to talk about them um anyway back to uberlin well i was going to bring up amazon uh who is now in a big thing with hachette um that's shitty yeah amazon is and i mean i'm uh, i i will say from personal experience that i know that amazon can be terrible to publishers um I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I know of a publisher that uh, was offering like a 40% off like around Christmas time on their site. And Amazon said, you can't post prices for under what we post uh, if you or we're going to stop carrying your book. So, you know, oh it's it's very much strong arm tactics. I think people don't know about. And this is another nice part of having uh, some disposable income is that, you know what, fuck them, I'll. I'll go buy books at independent bookstores and support them. I don't need to get the additional 17% off or whatever from Amazon. Like I, I can, I can still maintain my, my lifestyle and be able to eat if I go to independent bookstores and I feel better supporting them anyway. So, but that's, that's a good point. But before, I mean, a lot of stuff on the insides I'd heard about, but it didn't really seem like that big of a deal. But this stuff is kind of a big deal, and it's it's being reported, so everyone knows about it. And Amazon's still doing it, so it shows that they really don't care. Why the hell should they care? I guess just the PR hit. You'd think they'd say, well, they're they're holding back on J.K. Rowling's book. They're 
they're doing something so blatant as making it so that the book that's negative of their their founder can't even be bought. It's just stupid. Although I is I don't even know what kind of publisher Hachet is. Are they Hachette? Yeah, they're Hachette. Uh, they're uh, well, they I mean they published um, who just got into it? Malcolm Gladwell that was just talking about because his books are done by Hachette, and uh, and he was like, well. I, they were saying that, uh, well, Amazon's maybe hoping that uh, this will cause you to leave Hachette and, you know, go with another publisher and so you can get your books on Amazon. He's like, why would I, Amazon's the one who are hurting me. Why would I do something to help them? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he was basically saying that, you know, he's like, maybe, maybe authors are going to have to get together and do something about this. So, I mean, it would be nice. I don't know. I don't know how much of an effect it will have now. People buy so much shit from Amazon. Like it's, they've completely monopolized the market on just buying shit. Yeah. I mean, they do a good job most of the time. And so that's what sucks that they, that they're, they have an evil side. Right. Well, I mean, I think they're just at the point where they don't have to care. Like, right. You know, and they've got the Amazon prime. You can get shit in two days, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, and they have good customer service most of the times, but I guess at some point they won't have to. Yeah, well, and apparently on Gawker ran some things on working in Amazon corporate and working in Amazon warehouses. and uh, it's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. They had uh, ambulances outside the warehouses because it was cheaper than getting better air conditioning. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it sounds like a pretty nightmarish thing, and, and I feel like... Well, let's not go into it, but, you know, uh, these free market people, I just wonder what they think of this. That's all. That's all I'll say about it. Um, so we are talking about REM. Clapson and now. Clapson and Uberlin. Uh, and you chose this song. I chose it because it really, it really sounded like mid-period REM to me. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a bit of, like, Driver 8 or something, even. It has that... Um, the kind of talky sing-songy thing where each word has a period as he goes through it and then the, and then the chorus is more melodic and it's it's just it's i like it right kind of some minor chord but still jangly and yeah it's a uh, it's you would even without michael stipe's vocal i think you'd recognize uh who the artist was if you just heard the you know the few opening bars and stuff of it that's something we should talk about a little bit we've sort of talked about this with Chronic Town, but we did with the mumbling. But his vocals are really, even when he's not mumbling, you would never mistake him for someone else. No, you wouldn't. And I feel his like incredibly distinctive voice. I feel like, well, at this point, they don't have Bill Barry, the drummer in the band. But I feel like all the musicians, the other ones are are also very distinctive. I think Peter Buck's got a very distinctive guitar style, mm-hmm. um, as we said at the beginning, the arpeggiated chords and stuff, and and the the jangly sound and. Uh, and I think Mike Mills has, well, be, aside from his distinctive background vocals, uh, has a very melodic bass style, too, that kind of plays counter, um, that kind of sometimes does the melody while Peter Buck's just doing, you know, it's not noodling, but I, I don't know what you call it, you know, mm-hmm. um, just playing playing the notes over over the bass melody. Um, definitely very Paul McCartney-ish bass on R.E.M. So, um, yeah, anyway, let's let's give a listen. Here's Uberlin. Crash land, no illusions 
So going back to Mike Mills, have you listened to much of the Baseball Project? What is that like? I have not. Um, I know it's like with other dudes from uh, like the Young Fresh Fellows who are also part of Robin Hitchcock's band who Peter Buck plays with. So it's all very, you know, uh, incestuous musical uh, band, band of people playing together mm-hmm. there. Um, and also recently uh, announced Peter Buck is starting a group with Corin Tucker of Sleater Kinney. Oh, that's neat. So yeah, I'll, I'll be super interested to hear how that is. And uh, he's put out a Peter Buck's put out a couple solo albums, um, vinyl only, you know, just for fans and collectors, I guess. Um, you saw him open up for Robin Hitchcock and then play yes. along with Robin Hitchcock mm-hmm. uh, with his band. And it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like '60s garage um, rock with like you know, creature from the Black Lagoon type themes and stuff. <laughs> It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's fun. He's not a great singer, but you know, what does it matter? It's fun. I did not. I didn't know that Peter Buck was also part of the Baseball Project. I think he is, isn't he? Yeah. So I yeah. Did, I didn't realize that. So it's just it's just REM without Michael Stipe, and well, yeah. I think the I think the drummer for the Baseball Project was also the dude who played drums in REM and Robin Hitchcock as well. Oh, really? but I'm not sure. <laughs> so yeah, it's all. <laughs> um. I have to look into that because I, I think I'd probably enjoy that. Yeah, I th- I know. I haven't either. Um, I mean, I haven't checked them out, so I should. Uh, moving along on this album, uh, actually the last song from this album we're doing because the, the third song is a, a single they released uh, after this album. Um, but uh, Mine Smell Like Honey. So this one is, again, what uh, what's he talking about? I don't know. I don't know what of his smell like honey. Um, but it's more of a, it's like a mid-tempo rocker, I guess you would call it. Um, mm-hmm. Very catchy chorus. Again, great uh, background vocals from Mike Mills. And um, and just, it, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like they're having fun. Yeah, yeah, it's bright. Yeah, yeah, very bright. That's a good word for it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a rainbowy song. Um, and I don't have that much else to say about it uh but it'll just it's a good contrast with uberlin i think um and showing their their different songwriting styles so here is mine smell like honey Let's just get to the final song, and, and we'll uh, talk about other whatever else after that. Um, mm-hmm. So the final song was released uh, after this album on, on as a single, and also it was on their uh, their 
greatest hits retrospective that was released, you know, after they released this final album. And I'm going to think of this song as a goodbye. I think it's a very good song to go out on for it's, OEM. Oh, it's lovely. It's a beautiful song and it's but it's not really I wouldn't think of it as a an REM song. I mean, it's an REM song obviously, but it's not what I would think of when it has a lot of like uh or orchestral stuff. Yeah, well, it, in there. it's very Burt Bacharach-ish to Burt, yeah, bring Burt him back I was, into it. I was thinking of Bell and, Bell and Sebastian, but Burt Bacharach is probably a better. <laughs> yeah, no, perf- yeah, definitely. And uh, it is, I mean, it is kind of a, I mean, the lyrics even are like a goodbye, everybody. Yeah. This is this is the end of, we're all going back to uh, where we belong, wherever that is now. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a super, well, I, I said off air, I think that this is what Around the Sun was maybe trying to do, because this is that kind of, it's got that easy listening vibe to it, but it's so much better than anything on that oh, album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that compares on that album it's, that's nearly as good as this. I think I think it's worth mentioning, I think R.E.M. was a lot of times about prettiness and beauty in their music, and uh, and this definitely is, is in line with, with a lot of that a lot of the stuff they've done um, in that vein. And it's, I think it's a, it's just a really super nice song. The only thing, the only way this song could have been better if, is if Bill Berry were on drums, just for the, just to close it out that way. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree. But you know, I think he's afraid of having another brain hemorrhage. If he sits behind a drum set again, <laughs> he's played. It's true. He played with him at the rock and roll hall of fame. I know. And, and at somebody's wedding, I think too. I think his point, it seemed to me from what I read, that his point was he just doesn't want to tour. He doesn't care about playing, and I can see that. Oh, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Like, again, when you're in your 40s and you're going on tours, it's got to be a horrible grind. I mean, I'm sure it's fun when you're on stage, but so much yeah. of it is just... And I, I think it was the after... I've been reading so much REM stuff, I don't remember which, which uh, tour this was for, but there was an 11-month tour they did. And when they came back, when they came back, they did a show in, in, in Athens that sounded amazing. They did uh, the the entire. Oh, it was Mur- Green because they did green. all of Green okay. and all of Murmur. Yeah, but that would have been an awesome show to be. At. Anyway, they did the eleven month tour and then they just took a year off. It was just too much. Yeah, I I mean I can't even imagine. I I just think eleven be, months. Jeez, it would be terrible, especially if you've got like a family back home and stuff. Um, and you're not really into living the the touring lifestyle. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's like awesome when you're in your twenties. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. Not that anybody would ever ask me to, uh, for any reason, but, uh, Hey John, you want to go on a tour? Pop culture continuum tour? Yeah, let's do it. Yes. Um, we were going to be on the amazing race at one point. We still should try to sign up for that. I feel, I feel like we'd be a good team. Although I, I just heard they're moving it to Fridays, which means maybe it's, Oh, that's the death now. Yeah. There's, phasing it out because survivor doesn't appeal to me no i wouldn't want to do that amazing race. i've never watched amazing race but from your description of it it sounded like it'd be fun yeah we would be we would be the perfect team um we just have to make videos and shit and send them in it seems like a lot of effort we'll just uh, send a link to www.popculturecontinuum.com and say this is it bitches take it or leave it bitches my way or the highway bitches um, yeah, we all go back to where we belong is, uh, it, it made me happy. I, I was very glad that like, this was their, their swan song 
their you know their final I, I mean on the on the greatest hits they released two other new songs too that weren't weren't anything to write home about but uh, oh i like a month of saturdays do you it's i mean it's kind of goofy but i, I yeah. mean i don't think it's it hits you uh, it has any emotional resident no no it it, it would have fit in on a it reminds me of kind of like a just a fun song like uh what's the what's the famous uh song they have the what end of the world it's the end of the world as we know yeah yeah this is kind of yeah, there's it's not a lot of emotional resonance, but yeah, it doesn't come close to where we we, we all go back to where it belongs. And it's a, it's a fun song. The Hallelujah, I don't. Yeah, I don't it's like remember. whatever. Yeah. But yeah, this we all go back to where we belong. If you if you have a chance to listen to this song, you should be. It's it's terrific. Well, you're gonna have a chance right now because here is we all go back to where we belong. I will write our story in my mind Write about our dreams and triumphs This might be my innocence Lost I can taste the ocean on your skin But that is where up our first of eight episodes on rem so you're gonna get this for two months but uh, we will be doing regular episodes as well um so you're welcome thanks or is that to me no no it was to the listeners oh they never really say thanks i i feel that they should thank us for the episodes they can write us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com or just write it on our facebook page to thank us just say thank you all capital letters exclamation point Perhaps a period. Maybe a one in there instead of an exclamation point. That's a good idea because that shows how excited they are. They were so excited they 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 forgot to hit hit the the ship ship key. key. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. So thank you. Exclamation point. One, one. Exclamation point. Question mark? And and maybe follow that up with, uh, we love you. I mean, we hear that all the time from people, but never thank you. No, never. So I... it's a bit catty of people, really, to withhold that. Um, yes, listeners, you're all very withholding. I think you might have daddy and, and or mommy issues. And or uh, Aunt Greta issues. Who Who's to say? We, we, can't, we can't psychoanalyze you until you write us. So 
you know, uh, we're uh, we can only go with with what we imagine. And I imagine Aunt Greta. Baba boom. In her, in her rubber stockings. Baba baba boom. She's from she's a depression baby, and and that was common at the time because of the war effort. Uh, no nylon could be manufactured, and uh, everybody wore rubber rubber pantyhose. Um, in many ways, it was a it was a simpler time. It was a far stupider time. Um, and people were not nearly as attractive. Baba boom. Bitches. All right. Uh, is that it? Yes. Uh, like us on Facebook. Tell your friends about the show. Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Ask to be a guest, and you're welcome to be on the show to come up with good ideas, or we will just, just psychoanalyze you on the air. Yeah, or just give us ideas for shows. Um, that's Yeah, that's fine, too. Yeah, we... We're we're fine with that if you're if you're Especially too shy if it's a, to come on. It's a fast one. Like if you want us to, to compare um, a haiku, some, a haiku to a to somebody's. Yeah, yeah, we're totally down. Uh, you want us to compare um, a fart noise to, let's say a, uh, a eighteen second hardcore song. We're down. Oh man, should we have an episode where we we take a like let's say five Maya Angelou poems and compare them to um, Walt Whitman. Who are these people now? Uh, one was a a cowboy trucker, and the other was a. Poet. I, I assume uh, Maya Angelou is a cowboy trucker. Yes. It it's just fits the name so well. Um, we could, you know, we could do that. We could do poetry. Um, we do we do do our best to lose listeners uh, at. At as rapid a rate as possible, so that might be one to one to aim for. I um, think we should do it. All right, I'm down. Um, let me. Uh, I will find some uh, Wikipedia information about this cowboy trucker. And really, can you be a truck uh, cowboy if you're driving a truck? Because there I might th- be cows in the truck. True. And I'm not married to what women. What women being the one from the past? I just don't know poets, so I don't know if there's someone named. Uh, other than Walt Whitman. Well, we can. I mean, we can check online and find out who wrote uh, "There Once Was a Man from Nantucket," and maybe. Oh, that's, yeah. That's not a poet. That's Robert Frost, who's a, a film director. Oh, and and a raging alcoholic as well, from what I no, recall. No, well, I can't. I don't like correcting you, but poet and raging alcoholic. Hand in hand, you're right. Same. They mean the same thing. Redundant. All right. Well, um, this was fun. If you uh, liked it, well, you're going to get seven more. And they will be just as good or probably better because there'll be more than John and I talking about yes, REM. We'll have guests for, for the rest of them. We're actually going to have a guest for this one, but schedules didn't work out. So uh, Pat and I uh, sucked it up like the men we are. And I, I should – I don't know if I should, but I will be saying it often. I really enjoy being stuck in with REM in my head. And we are because we're doing so much REM, but it's – it's it's I'm happy how nostalgic it makes me in a good way. It's really fun. Yeah, it is. It's, it is very nice. It's nice to go back and listen even to the even to the lesser later albums. It's still yeah, it's still it's, fun. I, you get something out of it. And I, I just don't like it. Well, we talked a lot about Michael Stipe more so in this episode than earlier ones. And I really like him. And then listening to the songs reminds me of what his his interview voice sounds like. And it always had that kind of worn out sound to it. And I, I always liked that. 
just how it sounded when he was just talking as a regular person. Yeah, no, I agree. Kind of phlegmy. Um, well, I don't know why you said the earlier ones because this is the earliest one. But no, uh, no, I've. Oh right, never mind. This um, is number one. This is the first episode. Yeah, yeah. We're we did things in order. Trust me. Yeah, we're doing to... everything in order here. There's there's no shenanigans going on uh, behind the scenes. So, uh, uh, but anyway. Uh, this was this was fun, and uh, and there will be guests for all future REM episodes. So uh, please check in for those. And uh, until next time, bye everybody. Goodbye. Tell you.